You're watching KCMI-TV. Well, good evening. Uh, I think that uh, the Lord's really going to speak to us tonight. The word that I have, um, God really began to just put this in my spirit. And so uh, I hope that when we're done tonight, that God will have given you some understanding and answer some questions that people are wondering about, uh, especially in the hour that we're in. And so I want to start reading uh, out of the book of Exodus chapter 20 because uh, we want to talk about worship tonight, but from a totally different aspect than perhaps what you're thinking about. So uh, I thought this would be a good starting point, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God, I am a jealous God. I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And so Exodus 20 uh, really chronicles the Ten Commandments. And the very first thing that God begins to deal with is he just simply says this, I'm your God. I brought you out of bondage. I'm the one that delivers you. I'm the God that heals you. There's nobody else that does these things. And he said, I created you. You're going to worship me. He said, you will not bow down unto any other God. So God sets the principle here for creation that when it comes to worship, you and I, our worship belongs unto the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so uh, there's nothing more paramount in the scriptures than worship. And uh, I think we're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning of what we would call time as far as we know it. And uh, in Isaiah, the scripture begins to talk about this, and uh, the enemy, Satan, is the worship leader in heaven. Uh, he is leading the, the stars, the angels. Uh, they're praising the name of the Lord, and he's leading that. And I can't imagine what it must have been like to watch all of creation and the heavens of the heavens being alive with the worship that's going forth and the sound of worship that's going forth and there's no sin in the atmosphere. And here uh, Lucifer is, is the choir leader. He's leading everybody and they're praising God. But somewhere in the midst of that, and I don't totally understand it other than when God makes people that are going to do great things, he gives us the ability of choice. And always remember this, our love has to be determined out of choice. God did not make us robotic because if he made us and we could only love him, then it really wouldn't be love. It would just be something that God's downloaded into us. 
And God wants you to love him because of who he is and the relationship that you and him have. And so in Isaiah, he begins to talk about this. And of course, the scripture's not always in chronological order. We're all the way into Isaiah now, but we're reverting all the way back to before uh, Adam and Eve. And Lucifer's watching the worship that's going up, and, and, and it's incredible. And he begins to say this. He said, I'm going to be like the Most High. I want to be the one that's worshiped. I'm going to ascend into the sides of the north. And he begins to lay a hold of worship because of all the things that Satan has ever desired, the thing that he desires the most is for human beings to worship him. And of course, Jesus refers to this in the New Testament. He's referring to this time. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. And God the Father just reached in in a moment. And he removed Satan from the atmosphere of worship, cast him down to the earth with a third of the angels. And uh, the sound of worship began to continue again in heaven without, uh, without Lucifer leading it. And so whenever uh, you read about heaven, you know, writers talk about it. Isaiah said this, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple. And he said, the angels were crying, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. What was, what was Isaiah seeing? God was allowing him to peek behind the curtain of time and to look into the holiest of holies where God abides. And there he got to look in on a worship service. And as he watched this worship begin to go forth, the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Even now in heaven, there is worship going on and the angels are praising God and the Old Testament saints are praising God and those that have gone on before us are praising the Lord. Uh, I, I was thinking when John the Revelator said, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he said, I, I saw what was happening. He said the, the doorposts uh, were moved at the sound of God. And he said the four and twenty angels were, were casting their crowns at the feet of the Lord. And so in heaven, uh, in eternity, the paramount exercise that you and I are going to participate in is worship. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so... Um, you know, the devil, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, I think it's the 11th chapter. He, Paul's writing, he said, don't marvel. He said that the devil, Satan, can transform himself even into an angel of light. Why would he do that? Because he is an antichrist of Jesus. And what, what's the scripture say about Jesus? Jesus said this of himself. He said, I am the light of the world. And so no wonder if Satan is an antichrist or he's anti or he's opposite of Jesus, but he wants what Jesus has, he's going to transform himself into an angel of light because he wants the worship that, that men are giving. And so um, let's go back to, I think it's in Matthew. Remember when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And then the Bible says that 
that afterward he hungered. And that the devil comes to him and he begins to tempt him or test him. And the final test, if I, if I remember right, the scripture says that the devil looks at Jesus and he sa it says that he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, I don't think he was showing him natural geographical places, even though where he was, you could probably see a great distance in all, in all areas. I think that what the devil was showing Jesus was the spiritual kingdoms. That he was saying, look, I own the kingdom of addiction, I own the kingdom of homosexuality, of child abuse, of depression, of all sin. He said, all these kingdoms, he said, they've been given to me. And you would think, well, my goodness, if, if you own all the kingdoms of the world, you would be satisfied. But the devil looked at Jesus and he said, I'll give you all of them. If you will do one thing, if you will fall down and worship me. See, that's what the enemy's after that you and I have that is so precious. It doesn't come out of a book. It doesn't come from technique or talent. It, it comes from way down in here. And he looked at Jesus and he said, just fall down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus said, no. He said, I'm not going to do that. He said, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so the enemy, the devil, has always been after one thing, yours and mine's worship. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, what worship is. Um, I think that the church has really been tricked in the last several years uh, in what we define as worship. And uh, of course, you know, uh, as a boy, uh, I remember being raised in church and, and we did not have the refinement that we have now. We didn't have the beautiful sanctuaries that we have now. Um, our musicians weren't as accomplished. Uh, our singers sometimes were not as talented, but there was a, an element that we had that was amazing, it was worship. And here's what worship is not. It's not the songs that you sing. It's not how eloquent we speak. It's, it's not the, the lyrics of the song. Because um, the Lord said this, he said, there are people who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And uh, I, over the years traveling for, for probably 25 years, I traveled preaching before I started pastoring the second time. And I would get so frustrated because I'd get in services where they'd go for an hour and 15, 20 minutes and just do nothing but sing. And then the people are exhausted and there's no, there was no premium put on the word of the Lord. And what's happening in America right now is we have filled our platforms with mostly praise teams that are under the age of 30 that don't really understand the, the relationship with Christ. Maybe you're not even filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A lot, of, a lot of our musicians and our singers today in America have issues. Um, not all of them, but you know, Here's the thing, Satan always targets 
people who are gifted to lead God's people into his presence. And uh, this is why homosexuality sometimes uh, touches our musicians and our singers because God has given them an anointing to lead the church into worship. And we think that worship is singing four songs in a service and, and the lyrics and all of that. Worship has nothing to do with what you say. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Worship doesn't come from here. It comes from the heart. It is more than just a vocal exercise. It's more than just the raising of the hands. Uh, it is the affection. It is what comes from our soul that we begin to release into the atmosphere, our adoration for the presence of God. And... Um, I think that in the time that we're in, that God is trying to bring the church back to a place that true worship has to come out of a pure vessel. It's not something that we just release for a 20-minute time period and then we go do our own thing for the whole week. It is a 24-hour-a-day position that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those seasons where, where you're about work and all of a sudden you can just feel the glory of God. You can feel the tug of the Lord on your on your heart and you just raise your hands and begin to praise the Lord and say, God, I love you. I thank you that you're my Savior. And, and oh, I think that we move God by that, by that attitude of worship that we have. And so um, I, I want to take a little bit a uh, journey here. Let me see if I, I want to read to you something out of Psalms uh, chapter 115. Uh, verse 2 says, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever he pleases. He said, Their, their idols are silver and gold, and the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not, and eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, and so is everyone that trusteth in them. And David refers to this more than once, but he's talking about um, what people worship and what people trust in. Of course, in the Old Testament, he said they... Um, I was reading this morning, and he said, a man will cut down a tree, and he'll use half of it to create a fire and bake a cake, and then he'll carve the other half into an idol and bow down and worship to it. And he said, um, they have no life. And so, um, you and I, whether we realize it or not, every human being is going to worship something. You say, well, then how do I know what I worship? What you give your affections to, your time to, your heart to, that's what you worship. Um, I, I've pastored people that can't hardly come to church on Sunday morning because um, every weekend their children, who maybe are talented in, in, in sports, um, they're caught up in that and they miss church to take their kids because they want the kid to become a professional athlete. 
And so for a four-month season, you never see them in church because it's every weekend. It's softball, it's t-ball, it's soccer. You know what you're doing? You're worshiping something because that's what you gave your affection to. Some people worship their job because they're not going to come to church, but they're going to work. Some people worship their spouse, or some people worship other things. But whatever controls your heart, that's what you worship. Worship is not 20 minutes on Sunday singing, Our God is an awesome God. Worship is a lifestyle. It's what you give yourself to. And um, you only can worship what you love. And this is why uh, a lot of people struggle in their walk with God. And they say, I, I just have a hard time praying. And that's because you're not worship. You don't love the Lord. And it is the only way you can ever be victorious in God is you've got to surrender everything. That's why the Bible says, serve the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And so everybody worships something. And it can be defined in a plethora of different ways but every human being worshiped. You can go to other cultures around the world, whether it's in New Guinea or way up in the Philippines, you can go places where uh, an indigenous tribe has never been touched by civilization, and you will find that they worship. They'll have a tree, a rock, uh, something, that, that's what they give their worship to. Why? Because God put it in man, he has to release worship. So the key is, what do we worship? And uh, you're either going to worship what you love, and to some degree, you're going to worship what you fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, I, I, the fear is not being terrified of God, but it's understanding that there is a reverence that comes in the process of worshiping the Lord. And so um, the scripture here says this. He said... When a person worships something that's man-made, he said, you will wind up being like them. What you, whatever you worship, that's what you're going to become like. And if you worship Christ, then you'll become like Christ. If you worship money, then that's what you're going to be like. That's, that'll consume you. If you worship uh, success, that's what, you're going to, that's what you're consumed. You become like that. The issue is this, worship, what you worship, has to come down to a point that if you get in trouble, what you trust in and what you worship, can it deliver you? And the Bible says this, there'll come a day when those who made the idols of gold and silver will cast them to the moles and the bats and run from the mountains because in a time when they need deliverance, it won't come. And so I, I want to finish up tonight, and I, I want to talk about um, something that really is in my spirit. This is in, uh, this is in the book of Revelations. In Revelations chapter 13, because here's, here's what I want to touch on, because uh, everybody's you know, we're interested in prophecy now and, and what's happening in our nation and uh, is the vaccine the mark of the beast and is the Antichrist now here and, and all of these different things. And so maybe I can help you a little bit on this. Um, 
I'm not an eschatology preacher. Uh, I do speak prophetically, but really not in the realm of those things. And so, in Revelations chapter 13, um, verse 7, it says, And it was given unto him, <clears throat> this is talking about the Antichrist, it was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and power was given him over kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hath an ear, let him hear. And so, um, I thought it was interesting if you think that Satan, Lucifer, of course his name has changed now, the devil, um, is in those last days he is embodied in the antichrist anti just seems means opposite of christ but just as jesus receives our worship so does satan want to receive our worship and when the antichrist comes on the scene the bible says this that he will insist he will demand that everybody worship him uh, the book of Daniel is a prophetic book, and it ties in some with Ezekiel and the book of Revelations. But when you go back and you read the story of the three Hebrew children, um, I'm, I might have it here. Yeah, I do. Uh, Daniel is, um, or uh, the three Hebrew children, I've been told by Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he says this, Whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, He'll be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And um, Nebuchadnezzar made this huge image, and the whole thing was this. He said, I'm going to demand that Israel get on their knees and worship this image. Always remember this. The thing that the devil wants the most right now from creation on the earth is he wants their worship. And so when you go back to the book of Revelations and you begin to read, it says the Antichrist is going to create an image and he is going to demand that everybody worship it. And so if you go over just one more chapter, chapter 14, verse 9, it says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Now he's talking about if you've worshipped it. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be, be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. If we don't get a revelation in the church in this hour, that God is after worship, not man-made things. We've turned our platforms into idols. We've turned our talent into something that we worship. We worship superstars and everything. And listen, the church is about one thing. It is a place that we gather, hallelujah, and we lift up our voices and we begin with adoration and praise to tell Jesus Christ that he is our deliverer and he is our savior. And so in the last days that we're in,
we talk about the scripture here says this. He says that the Antichrist is going to demand that you worship him. Uh, I, I personally believe that there is a catching away of the church. We can call it the rapture, whatever you want to call it. And I think that the only ones that are going to go up in the rapture are saints of God who have mastered the art of being able to live a lifestyle of worship. That God would help us understand that just because we say we love the Lord or just because we sing a worship song on Sunday morning that we're giving God worship. That's not worship. It's when you surrender everything that you have in your life and you say as Jesus did, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And when we learn how to worship God, we go up into his presence and then eventually God catches us away. And so uh, I hear people all the time say, well, I will never take the mark of the beast. Um, but they're not faithful to church. Uh, their business consumes them. Their affections and their emotions and their heart are somewhere else, whether it's building a personal kingdom or amassing wealth or uh, a, an individual that they're in love with, whatever, success. That, that's what they worship, whether they realize it or not. And the scripture here is very plain. Um, I don't know if I read it or not, but it said this. The Antichrist is going to demand that for you to be able to buy or sell, that you're going to have to give your obedience and your worship to the beast. And that the only way that you can continue your lifestyle of operating in what you like is if you have to make a conscious surrender to worship the Antichrist. People say, well, I would never do that. But if church takes a hit, you don't have a prayer life, you don't, you're not faithful to God, uh, you don't have a strong relationship with the Lord, and what you worship is, you know, we live in a time now where so many people are affluent. And um, we, we have money, we, we own wonderful homes, we're able to travel, and all of these things. But if the presence of God and being in worship is not number one in your life, then when the enemy comes and says, look, you can't keep your house. You can't go to the grocery store. You're going to lose your job. We're going to take away your, your money. If that's what you already gave your affection to, and you think, I can't buy or sell or function unless I fall down and worship the beast. If you have not already learned how to give your worship to God, then you're going to give your worship to that. And right now we're in a time, boy, I feel this in the spirit. We are in a time where God is revealing the hearts of men and he is drawing a line right down the middle. 
and there's no more gray area. You're either all in for Jesus or you're going to be all in for the devil. And there's a lot of people right now that couldn't even wrap their mind around the fact that in a few years they're going to bow down and worship a man-made idol because they don't want to lose what they have. But when you serve Jesus Christ, you're going to get to a place. Listen, worship opens up a whole new dimension to you that you don't care whether you have the big house or you don't care whether you have the retirement. What matters most of all is, oh God, let me come into your presence and let me worship you. In heaven, worship is eternal. And the only thing that's going to get us there in the rapture is if we learn how to worship the Lord. Your worship that you have now, which just simply is a complete surrender to God. Who you worship is who you're like. And if we will give body, soul, and spirit to Jesus Christ, he will deliver us in the midnight hour. And it doesn't matter how dark it looks. Can I tell you that God is still in control? He's not moved by what he sees, all the chaos, all of the things that are going on. I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, and people say, well, what in the world is going on? We just see one negative thing after another, and it seems like we continue to lose our personal freedoms. Lord, drop this in my spirit. He said, son, all you're hearing is the roaring of the prophets of Baal. But he said, Elijah hasn't started praying yet. And can I tell you in the Holy Ghost that God's getting ready to shut the mouth of Baal, the prophets of Baal, and the Lord is getting ready to loosen an Elijah prayer in the atmosphere and the fire of God is getting ready to fall. And where you're going to see God begin to do his greatest work in the next few years is men and women that know how to worship God. That it takes preeminence over everything in your life. That God is number one. And as we begin to praise the name of the Lord, because when we do that, it is a divine protection. If you don't give your worship to God as I end this, if you don't live in that realm now, if you've not learned that Christ demands everything from you, if you don't give your worship to Jesus, regardless whether you think you will or not, you will give your worship to the Antichrist. And you know, it's, it's interesting because the Bible said that Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years. Satan is an Antichrist who transforms himself into an angel of light and we know that there's a seven-year tribulation period, but the last three and a half years is when the Antichrist rises up. And for three and a half years, same length time as Jesus' ministry, the Antichrist's ministry is going to last three and a half years, just like Jesus' did. But it's going to end in defeat. And the enemy for three and a half years is finally going to have what he wants. That everybody on the earth is going to worship him. And then the Bible says that God's going to pull the plug, come back. Hallelujah. And he's going to end this saying in a glorious battle. I hope that I've been able to convey to you that the only thing that's going to keep you from bowing down in the next few years and worship the Antichrist is if you learn how to worship God now. Learn 
to worship something that has ears and eyes, hands that can touch you, feet that can carry you, that's alive, that's Jesus. And so I pray that God will put this word in your spirit, that he'll let it uh, just kind of marinate in you. Uh, we're going to have a great time Sunday. I believe God's going to move in a tremendous way. Uh, thank you for joining me tonight. I'm, I'm so honored that y'all take time uh, to sit with me and break the bread of life. Until I see you again, may God's face shine upon you. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.